Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Did you remember, Producer Scott? You, good job, buddy. Proud of you. Uh, welcome into the Green Zone. Jamie and I with you as, yes, it is a Valentine's Day today. And with the theme being Valentine's Day a little bit today, we're going to ask you a love question, okay? I heard some of our uh, sister stations, um, Z99, C95, they were talking about, you know, that, that moment you knew your partner was the one for you. That's all well and good. But here on the Green Zone, we want to know, what was it? What was that moment that you knew this was your team? Whatever team that is, whether it be my Vancouver Canucks, your Edmonton Oilers, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, maybe you're a Bills fan, maybe you're a Chiefs fan, maybe it was Sunday you fell in love with the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe it was because Taylor Swift started dating one of the football players on the Kansas City Chiefs, and now they are your favorite team which is my concern now that my 12-year-old is going to now be a Chiefs fan when I'm a Raider fan, and that's not good for a household. But what was it? What was the moment that you fell in love with your team? 1-877-332-8255. We'll share your stories throughout the afternoon here on the Green Zone. Speaking of the Super Bowl and speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, Let's just let's just check in on how things are going in Kansas City today during the, the parade. Man, I promise you. When I t- and I toasted you, honey, we do what I never. What? I got friends. Yeah, it's not. It's it's going as expected. That was Travis Kelsey. He was reading off his phone different lyrics to Garth Brooks' Friends in Low Places. He was talking about the Niners and the Chiefs and trying to relate it to the Super Bowl. I imagine he and T. Swift actually did that, and he's too drunk to read. So uh, there you have it. That's a check-in on the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebrations. And by the way, full credit as Patrick Mahomes has fully embraced the dad bod. Remember in the post game a couple of weeks ago, he had a shirt off, and then people were like, whoa, that's what Patrick Mahomes looks like with his shirt off? No abs, nothing, little bit of a belly. He's walking down the street today. He's got no shirt on. He fully embraced it now that he's a three-time Super Bowl champion, making those with dad bods everywhere proud that we, too, could be a Super Bowl champion. As we uh, will now watch. And of course, we'll get into the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid thing. They addressed it on the New Heights podcast today. Uh, he and his brother Jason, when Travis was way more sober to record that than he is today, or at this moment anyways. Uh, so we'll play back that. We also have tape, audio I should say, of the moment that Drew and I debated on Monday the coin flip and did the San Francisco 49ers make the right call to take the ball after winning the coin flip in overtime or should they have kicked off and gotten the ball second because you were guaranteed a possession so I hate to be the guy that says I was right 
But judging from the audio the NFL has posted today, yeah, I was right. You take the ball second. When 49ers players who have been in the league for 10 years are on the I didn't know they get the ball. If we score a touchdown, they get the ball too. I didn't know that. Kyle Juszczyk, veteran of the 49ers, been around. I, I didn't I didn't know they get the ball if we score a touchdown. That's not a good look. As the Chiefs were fully prepared, and this came from Patrick Mahomes on Monday, saying we had it all planned out, what we were going to do if it went to overtime. We wanted the ball second, and if they score a touchdown, we were going to go. We were going to go for two. If we scored a touchdown back, we were going to go for two and not give them the chance. Yes, you could have lost if you didn't convert, but they had a plan. They had a vision. They had it thought out. 49ers are just like, yeah, we'll take the ball. We always take the ball because we score a touchdown and we win. Oh, wait, what? Different rules in the Super Bowl? Terrible luck. But it's also day two of CFL free agency. The Riders busy yesterday, of course, with all those signings. Jeremy O'Day addressed reporters earlier on winning free agency. You know, if you if you feel like you did good in free agency, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be uh, have a great year. But um, we certainly think that we added some good players. And, and uh, you know, it's really about the players just putting it on their, their backs and, and working extremely hard for the next couple months. And, and then, again, um, working on the chemistry once we get to, to training camp and, and, and starting to learn each other and bond with each other. And... And, and and grow that, that close relationship that you need in order to be successful. There's a little bit of Jeremy O'Day. A.J. Olet, the running back, also arrived in Saskatchewan, got the tour of the stadium. Uh, he will be in studio later this afternoon on the Green Zone, so keep it locked right here to hear from the new running back of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, A.J. Olet. There is some little tiny bit of rider news. Not that they signed anybody, but yesterday we were wondering, what's going on with Jake Dolagala? Where is he going to end up? Well, he did sign today. The BC Lions have signed Jake Dolagala. We talked a little bit about this with Justin Dunk, and he still thought BC might be an okay fit. Yes, they signed Dakota Prukop, but he said that's probably more so for their short yardage, which wasn't that good last year. So Dakota Prukop will run short yardage. Jake Dolagala will bat- battle for the backup job behind Vernon Adams Jr. So that's where Jake Dolagala is going to end up in Vancouver for training camp. And yes, Drew Remender will be here from Winnipeg, and we will talk about the latest in NHL player or Department of Player Safety. As Morgan Riley got a five game suspension, it came down late yesterday. Leafs aren't happy. In fact, Sheldon Keefe was asked, asked about it after the game. You remember Sheldon Keefe who said it was an acceptable response. He didn't want to talk. He said, Brad Living will talk about this tomorrow. That news conference got called off. Brad Living was not going to talk about it because Morgan Riley is appealing the five-game suspension. But there was another moment in the National Hockey League. Linus Olmark. Goaltender of the Boston Bruins last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning gets bowled over by a member of the Lightning and he hits him on the head, back of the head with his stick. So Morgan Riley just got five games for a cross check to the face. Now, I would say unprovoked. 
I hate using the word attack, but an unprovoked attack because Ridley Gregg took a slap shot into an empty net. In this moment, he gets bowled over in his reaction. He swings his stick, hits uh, Isomont in the back of the head. I'm thinking it's got to be one, two, three game suspension. Heat of the moment, swing stick, hit a guy in the head. $5,000 fine today for Linus Allmark. So a lot of the Leaf fans are out there going ballistic that Morgan Riley got five games and Allmark got $5,000 fine. Saying Morgan Riley, see, Morgan Riley should win his appeal. See, that's the wrong way to look at it. Morgan Riley deserved the five-game suspension. And Allmark deserved a heck of a lot more than a $5,000 fine. As I put on social media, the only thing consistent about the National Hockey League Department of Player Safety is their inconsistency. So, yeah, Drew will weigh in on that as well here on the Green Zone. We got a busy one. Marshall Ferguson from CFL.ca as well as play-by-play man on TSN will assess CFL free agency. As I mentioned, A.J. Olette, new Saskatchewan Rough Rider running back, will be on here in the 3 o'clock hour. And a double take with Daryl Davis on his assessment on the work Jeremy O'Day has done over the last 24 hours in CFL free agency. That's all coming up right here on the Green Zone this afternoon on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Jamie and I with you here on the Green Zone asking you this Valentine's Day, what was it that had you fall in love with the team you love? one 332 8255 And Tony has the same story I have, except with a different result. I was in love with the Edmonton Oilers in the 80s until they got rid of Gretzky, and then I fell in love with the Montreal Canadiens. Same here, Tony. I was, I was a Wayne Gretzky kid. 99 shirt, Oilers. Winning Stanley Cups. He's breaking records. Probably had a Wayne Gretzky rookie card back in the day. Oops. Um, And then they traded him. And then I was out. And then Jason Fitzsimmons from Lumsden, Saskatchewan, got drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, he played for the Moose Jaw Warriors. My hometown of Lumsden is where he was from. And... I started following the Canucks in the early 90s when they started to bring in Trevor Linden and Pavel Bure and Yerke Lume and Cliff Ronning, Kirk McClain. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 94. So, yeah, similar story. one 332 All right, this just coming in, and this is... Uh, concerning news out of Kansas City. This is on the Twitter account of the uh, Kansas City Police Department that during the Super Bowl celebration, shots were fired near Union Station. They do say multiple people were struck, two armed people in custody, and, of course, alerting everybody to leave the area as quickly as safely as possible to uh, treat the shooting victims. That is happening right now in Kansas City, and it was during the Super Bowl celebration near Union Station. 
Uh, so that was 10 minutes ago. 15 minutes ago, the uh, Kansas City Police Department uh, posted that. And we'll bring you up today on a scary situation playing out in a day of celebration in Kansas City with the Super Bowl and the Lombardi Trophy. And now uh, it is turning into a police investigation. Of course, emergency crews on the scene uh, right now near Union Station in Kansas City. Once again. The gun culture down there, I'll never understand. But we continue here on uh, the Green Zone. And again, we'll uh, keep you up to date on what's happening in Kansas City throughout uh, the afternoon. Uh, still to come on the Green Zone, as mentioned, free agent signing of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, A.J. Olette, uh, getting the welcome treatment from Saskatchewan. He's excited to be here, has known for a while that wouldn't be a bad place to play. During my time here, um, even just in the hotel, like the Sask fans that are just fans of football. I just want football fans. Like, that's what I am. I'm a football player. I'm not really a running back. I'm just here to play the game, um, do what I have to to win. And um, the, the community and how they uh, appreciate the game of football and the way that it should be played is the, is the big reason I'm here. So, A.J. Olette. Happy to be a member of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And, yes, of course, it had a little bit to do with who the new head coach was. Yeah, he's been amazing. Um, he was probably the leading um, cause of my decision, um, just the way that he coached, uh, the way that he leads men. And um, a coach and a father, a husband, that um, uh, a guy in my situation can look up to. So A.J. Olette has landed in Saskatchewan. He'll be here on the Green Zone in the 3 o'clock hour, get to know him a little bit better. As you are getting to know him a little bit better, he's excited about being around the community, of course. From a small town in Ohio, said the town shut down every Friday night for high school football, and he says it felt that way when he came here. He was here for the Grey Cup and then another game last season where it's just like, okay, this is a football city, and... That's where he wants to play right now with a new contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jamie Dye with you here on the Green Zone on this Valentine's Day Wednesday. We'll continue to bring you up to date on a terrible story playing out in Kansas City right now during their Super Bowl celebration downtown near Union Station. Uh, Kansas City police uh, have posted on social media to leave the area immediately. Multiple victims in a shooting, two people in custody. That's all we know as of right now. So we'll bring you up to date on what was supposed to be a celebration uh, turning into all of a sudden a police investigation and panic in downtown at Kansas City. Also later on this afternoon, A.J. Olette's going to be here, one of the free agent signings for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. will be in studio. We'll get to know the new running back a little bit better. And also we're asking you on this Valentine's Day, what was it that had you fall in love with your team? one 332 8255 But we're going to take a look at CFL free agency through the first day and a half with Marshall Ferguson from the CFL on TSN and CFL.ca. Uh, Marshall, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, happy to be here. I, uh, you know, a bit of a, an unfortunate note there, obviously, off of the top. I hope everybody in Kansas City is as good as can be. And honestly, I saw the news broke, break on Twitter same time that you did, and it immediately reminded me of when I was doing radio still in the mornings uh, in Hamilton, and we had an opportunity to go to the Raptors championship parade. And there were shots that rang out at Nathan Phillips Square on that day as well. And there was, I think it was estimated like 2 million people or something like that were at the parade. And I swear it felt like every single one of them was actually in the square celebrating that championship. And as they were kind of announcing the players coming out, um, you could hear just these weird fireworky type sounds about a couple hundred meters behind me. And then, of course, you just get thousands of people confused, pushing, rushing, not knowing whether they're safe or not. And it's a terrifying situation. So I hope everybody in Kansas City is uh, is happy and healthy as much as can possibly be. But, yeah, that, that tweet from the Kansas City Police Department, man, that brought back some scary memories from my own time. And uh, the Kansas City Police Department continues uh, to update through social media as people, of course, go into their phones, seeing what's happening. They're trying to keep us on top of it as much as possible. And again, we'll uh, update you through the afternoon. Uh, but as uh, we bring things back to the Canadian Football League, uh, Marshall, uh, what do you think? A grade for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in day one of free agency with the uh, all-star caliber and championship caliber players they brought in? Yeah, pretty sweet. I, as you know, I am uh, somebody who is a visual learner, so I like to color code everything when I am doing my own research and posting things on social media. So every year I kind of... I, I write out every single free agent in a spreadsheet that is uh, pending free agent, and then when they sign with their individual teams, then you go ahead and copy and paste them into the team they've signed with. And it's always the teams that have a whole bunch of different colors on their signed list that are always intrigue me because they're the ones who are most aggressive typically and are going out and targeting specific things that they would like to fix with their team or that they would just like to upgrade on. And certainly I would say Saskatchewan leads when it comes to that. You know, there's there's the second wave of free agency that we get every year when you lose a bunch of players like Toronto has had where you end up basically taking all the money you would have spent on your own guys when you realize that you're not going to get a chance to spend it on your players and you have to go out and find players to spend that money on. But in terms of the first wave of free agency, I, I think the tone was set with the DeMarcus Hardrick signing being announced as, as potential impending and all the rest. And then AJ Olet yeah, as a culture builder and wanting to pound the rock a little bit. And then, bringing in a multiple defensive player like Adam O'Claire. I absolutely love Malik Carney might be the next Lorenzo Malden, you know, leaving Hamilton as a defensive end prospect, bringing back Micah Johnson. I just, those are the moves I think that you can, it's great because as you know, Jamie, the, the coaches and the general managers and even sometimes the scouts have a very difficult time giving the God's honest truth, even whether the microphones are off, but when they're on, Typically, it's hard to see what their vision is. The thing I love about free agency is the timing of the signings and who they are signing, where they're signing them from, can be reverse engineered to show you their vision. And with Corey Mace coming in, I kind of had an idea of what he was going to be trying to accomplish. And then when you went out and you got Jamarcus Harger, Jameer Thurman Penning, I believe, and then A.J. Olette, I was like, okay, yeah, he, he just told us all very clearly breeding between the lines without much you know duress that this is the type of team he wants to build is physical run it attack the edges get off the edges get after the quarterback and those are all really positive things if i'm a riders fan marshall ferguson joining us uh, cfl on tsn cfl.ca contributor as uh, well and uh, i i look at the saskatchewan rough riders 
Uh, of course, you, you give him an A grade, a lot of great players. But I heard Jeremy O'Day say this. I heard Corey Mace talk about this. Uh, you played high-level elite sport, of course, uh, being a quarterback in youth sport. But they talk a lot about now it's kind of like it's over to the players. How important is that to build a championship team? Because here in Saskatchewan, we were looking at a team last year, we were like, what's going on in that locker room? It doesn't seem like it's a very cohesive group. And they're already out saying, we can do as much as possible. Now it's about team building. Now it's about team bonding. How big of an intangible is that into a championship culture? I love it as, as a general message to send to your group because I think a lot of times when you have a new head coach come in like Corey Mace, you just go, we've got the coach, we go in and we get a bunch of the players, and now everything will just fall into line and we will dance our way to a championship. That is not true. Adversity is the only thing that you are guaranteed in life and certainly in professional sports. So the idea of going out and, and very plainly saying, okay, we've done our job, now go do yours, I hope every single guy in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders organization saw that quote. We're sending it around to each other in their you know, group chats, if they're close enough to be in group chats with each other, and then sprinted to the closest track, gym, or field. Because I think that's what the impetus of that statement was, was to get guys to realize, like, okay, we've done our part. We've gone and added a bunch to our roster that we think can help us win football games. That doesn't mean anything if you're not ready to come here and actually play football and give us your full effort. So in terms of messaging and setting the tone, I, I, would, I would bet that you could stamp that statement and that sentiment on Corey Mace right now. Tuck it away, and when you're listening at the first day of Riders training camp, you're going to hear something that's very similar. I got a feeling that that's a theme for him that is going to run throughout this season and really his his tenure as a, a head coach in the CFL and certainly in Saskatchewan. Marsh, uh, here in Saskatchewan as well, yeah, you know the rivalry with Winnipeg. Is is it about down, done now over there? Is is this like the beginning of the end for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers now that they've lost Jermarcus and they've had to pay big money to retain some guys and some of their other players? They're moving on from Rashid Bailey is moving on, of course, uh, with the Bombers. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat is retiring uh, they lose to Mario Houston. Are we about done having to deal with the Bombers coming into Mosaic Stadium and beating Saskatchewan? I am a believer. This is an overall philosophy that I have built over, I would say, about the last 10 years or so of sport. And it's, it's because I watched every single year, every single person who speaks in the media say, Patriots are done, right? Like, not, they can't keep hanging around. And every year people were wrong. And then it, now it's turned into... Kansas City can't keep doing this, right? And I understand the NFL is a different world because you can have more continuity and all the rest on and on. But the basic theme holds true, and this is my belief, until you dethrone them, they are the ones who lead the West Division. That's it. Like, if you want to go beat them, it's not done on paper. If Saskatchewan wants to beat Winnipeg and be done with the Labor Day stuff and the Banjo Bowl stuff and them being the Kings and leading the way and having to play second fiddle and 1A, 1B or sitting there at two or three or four in the West Division, you have to go beat them. And I agree with you that there's been a bunch of losses. Jamarcus Hardrick, I think, is is a huge loss for them. I'm not as concerned about the Theodric Hansons, the Grafala Exames, the Brennan O'Leary Oranges. Like Those guys are depth guys that are sprinkled around the league that are very, very good at what they do. They will be losses for Winnipeg. And I do agree that the aging is going to be a problem as they continue here with their core, whether it be Willie or Adam and onwards. But Stanley Bryan is considered in that as well. But the reality is that Willie, Adam, and 
all of those guys I speak about, Stanley Bryant, otherwise, they're still there, and Zach Kolaros is still their quarterback. So until Zach Kolaros is no longer playing in the Canadian Football League or until several pieces of that core are no longer there, you, I, I like Demario Houston. You can replace Demario Houston. I'm less sure about replacing a Demarcus Hardrick because I think it's really hard to find consistently excellent offensive tackles whether it be Canadian or American, in the CFL, to get them up here and get them to stay, that's hard. So Jamarcus Hardrick is a huge loss for them. But I also think that they're going to be able to find players that will fill voids for them at various positions because they have still, as you say, Oliveira, Kolaros, and Dalton Schoen. If that's all you had on your offense, I think Winnipeg is still right now the leader in the clubhouse in the West Division. All right, Marsh. Um Finally, who else did you like in the first 24 hours in a bit of CFL free agency? Who else would have got close to an A grade? Hamilton, I'll just say this, always makes me laugh because in The Dark Knight, I just love the scene where you have you know the Heath Ledger, the Joker, where he snaps the pool cue over his knee and says, make it quick, we're having a competition. It just always feels like Hamilton brings in a bunch of guys in free agency and then says, like, I don't know, scrap it out, let's see what happens, and we'll cut whoever doesn't end up making us happy kind of thing. So I wouldn't say it's an A grade for them. I just I always find Hamilton's approach to be very, uh, I don't want to say controversial, but uh, it, it seems like they have a very specific tendency in free agency. I actually kind of like that Montreal, who re-signed a bunch of their primary pieces that they needed back, Getting Isaac out of Yemi Berglund, I think he's kind of an underrated player out of Calgary that gets off the edge at a high level. Derek Wigan adds veteran presence in the middle. Sean Thomas Erlington, when healthy, is as good as anybody. And he gets to go home to Montreal to play there. Dylan Wynn doesn't get brought back because Hamilton replaces him with Brandon Barlow and Dwayne Hendricks from the Argonauts. I think Montreal is kind of sneakily decided, like, we don't have to make the huge, splashy moves, but we're just going to kind of tinker and see what happens. And then the big question for me that we'll all look back hindsight 2020 by about Labor Day is, is Tevin Jones actually going to be able to become anything close to what Austin Mack was in that offense? Or are they going to have a bigger void of receiver than they already had going into last season if he doesn't turn into the player that Danny Machocha thinks he is? But as of right now, I love that Montreal has tinkered and added a little bit here and there. And then the great question mark for me as somebody who covers a lot of games in the East is the Ottawa Redblacks because if Dominique Rhymes is dominant and Drew Brown is what everybody thinks he is that's been around him in Winnipeg, Ottawa actually has an opportunity in the East Division to make some noise, which we haven't been able to truthfully say in about five years. All right, Marsh, uh, real quick. Um, Valentine's Day, we're asking this to the sports fans out there. What was it that had you fall in love with your favorite teams? And judging by your social media, you're kind of a fan of the Buffalo Bills. I was going to say, uh, there's this little thing called trauma bonding, and I would say that eight-year-old Marshall Ferguson was trauma bonded to Doug Flutie and the Buffalo Bills when, rest in peace, he passed away in 2023. Frank Wycheck did what he did in the Music City Miracle. So uh, my relationship with the Buffalo Bills was born out of pain, and uh, I think that has latched on to me. And unfortunately, as most unhealthy things happen, uh, that love for the Bills has been handed down to my descendant. Yes, uh, and there there has been a lot of pain recently uh, for the Buffalo Bills again. Oh, yeah. uh, Marsh, always appreciate you taking the time for us here in Saskatchewan. Be well. Awesome. Good to chat with you, Jim. Marshall Ferguson joining us, a CFL.ca contributor, as well as one of the play-by-play guys on the CFL on TSN. What was it for you that had you fall in love 
with your favorite team, whether that be the NHL, CFL, NFL, maybe NBA, Major League Baseball, or maybe you're a footy fan. And sometimes you're just born into it. When I say footy, I mean like, what what is it that Sarah says? Proper football. Uh, maybe you're just born into it. That's why you uh, cheer for your favorite team. one 332 8255 Coming up next, this day in sports history on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Bridge Farm remembers. This day in sports history, the year was 2003. Valentine's Day of 2003. Bruins controlling off the opening draw. Check, score! Canubo! Bouncing puck, score! Mike Canubo again! Two goals in 27 seconds. Yeah, it was the fastest back to back goal. So, Mike Canubo in the National Hockey League. Also on this day in sports history, 2010. I remember this very well. It was the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Alex Bilodeau wins gold in freestyle skiing men's moguls, becoming the first Canadian to win a gold medal during a Canadian-hosted Olympics. The call was actually Jamie Campbell, who was just here, a Toronto Blue Jays broadcaster. And remember his brother, his biggest fan, in the stands, born with cerebral palsy, losing his mind. It was a great moment between Alex and his brother as Canada celebrated gold on home soil for the first time in 2010. And also on this day, not in sports history, although if I remember correctly, they were uh, pretty big fans of the Chicago Blackhawks. Party on, Wayne! Party on, Garth! It's Wayne's World! Wayne's World! Party Sands! Yes, Valentine's Day, 1992. We were going to watch Wayne's World make its debut in theaters. 